Hey, welcome to Crosswalk Church. Today, Pastor Jeff is bringing you a teaching, so head over to crosswalkphoenix.com and find today's message under the worship tab. There you can download the Crosswalk notes to follow along. And now, here's Pastor Jeff. I have, and if you've been here for a while, you know this about me, I have always loved to read as far back as I can remember. This even goes back as far as my mom reading to me when I was very small and couldn't read for myself. But I remember that when I was in elementary school, the shelf that most attracted me when I was young and just beginning to check out books from the library and read on my own was the biography shelf. I loved the biography shelf. I loved reading about the lives of of presidents and scientists and uh, thinkers like Einstein. I don't know. I was a crazy little kid, I guess, because I just loved studying them. I can remember reading Kennedy's biography and Lincoln's biography and, and George Washington's biography when I was something like 10, 9, 10 years old. They had age-appropriate biographies for us in, in my elementary school library. And I, I still love to read. I think what drew me into those books about presidents and, and leaders and, and thought leaders was the fact that they were making a difference and that when you read these biographies, you could tell these were people that had made some sort of huge difference in our world. Now, I don't know if you're here today uh, as a believer in Jesus Christ. You may be here uh, for the very first time as a guest. Uh, the, the thing about Crosswalk is that we are a, a church for unchurched people. We love having guests who, who don't know Jesus, who are, who are here because they're maybe exploring uh, God or Jesus or church. But I think whether you're a believer or not a believer, this idea of making a difference with our lives is something that we all have in common. This is not something by any means restricted to, to a Christian or, or a believer that we want to use our lives in a way that will make a difference. And as the series title says, we want to make our lives count. We want to live for a greater purpose, a bigger purpose than ourselves. Today, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about how God has set up a way for us to make our lives count and make a difference through our lives and and serve God's purpose. And that's maybe where the bend in the road happens. You see, because as I said, we share together, believers and non-believers, all human beings share this inner desire to make a difference. I really believe that. I believe that's what attracted me to those books when I was just nine or 10 years old. Now, let's admit that as we grow up, as we get older, sometimes that that ideal of making a difference with our lives kind of gets buried a little bit, doesn't it? Underneath other things that are going on in our lives, uh, the need to just make life happen. But I'll bet many of you can remember those days back in college or when you were, you, you were attending a university somewhere where you stayed up into the wee hours, maybe all night long, talking about what life was all about and, and how you wanted to make a difference. And then somehow that eroded a little bit. So there are really two things that I want to do with today's message that I believe God wants to do with us today in this message. And that is, number one, renew our passion 
to live a life of purpose, to live a life for something that's bigger than ourselves, and number two, to talk about God's way of making that happen. And and for that, we're going to dive into Philippians chapter 2, and we're going to talk about a guy named Jesus Christ, the Son of God, but also true man who, as Paul writes to the Philippians here, came into our world to make the biggest possible difference with his life. So let's read it. Philippians chapter 2, I'm going to begin reading it at verse 5. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. You know, it's interesting because I I suppose there's another way in which I was an odd kid. Because not only did I love to go to the library and check out books, and I would bring a big stack of books home and, and just really anticipate reading through each of them. At the same time, I have always loved sports. And I, some of my best memories are being with my buddies on our bicycles in the neighborhood and going from our house, and it was Little League time, it's summer, you're out of school, and you're riding your bikes, there's three or four of you, and you're headed to Little League practice. There's just nothing better. And I I remember, first of all, that all of us love to test our skills, and of course, brag a little bit about who was the best baseball player. I played second base on on my Little League teams that I played on through the years, and I just loved it. It would seem to me, however, that one place where I would always lose that battle was up at bat. I was horrible at bat, and so pitch after pitch would go past me. I would strike out, or I would be afraid to swing. My coaches always had to work with me on that. Here's the thing I really loved about it, though. It wasn't testing my skills, because a lot of people could have questioned whether I had many skills to test, but what I loved most was the camaraderie. I loved hanging out with my buddies. I loved the fact of, of being a team. And as we look at the the Apostle Paul, he loved being on a team too. Here was a man who went through a lot in his life. Uh, A a lot that he went through was because of his, his own going down the wrong path. But at the end of the day, Christ confronted him on the road to Damascus, drew him into Christianity, and almost immediately, God built a team around Paul, which, which he loved. And then at, at the end of the day, he was out and about sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with his teammates. 
And you can see how important it was for Paul to help others understand that the Christian life, the life of following Jesus is not a lonely life in the least. I want you to notice how he starts this section. Do you see it? What are those first one, two, three, four, five, six words? In your relationships with one another. You see, really what Paul is saying here is, when Christ came into the world, one of the very first things that he did for you and me is he brought us community. He brought us a team, and he surrounded us with a team. And now we have a team, a family, a group of people around us who believe with us that we are to, to pay attention and pay attention to. And what's really important about this as we read through the Bible, is that when we surround ourselves with team and when we have camaraderie, we have the ability one by one to make a difference in others' lives. Look around you here at Crosswalk, and there's a group of people that maybe you wouldn't ordinarily meet in daily life. You wouldn't work with them. They're not part of your blood family. You're not next door neighbors with them. But once a week, God draws us all together, and pretty soon we're getting to know each other, and maybe we're serving on a, on a ministry team together, or we're in the same growth group together, and we make new friends, and all of a sudden we realize, I can pray for that person. I can help that person when I see that they have a need in their life. And the Bible talks about this. Look at Proverbs 27, 17, and it talks about how relationships make all of us better. This is a great passage. I, I highly recommend committing this one to memory. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Love that passage. I use that all the time when I'm thinking about my Christian friends that God has given me when I think about this church, that I have the opportunity to become a sharper person, spiritually, mentally, in all kinds of different ways because I'm rubbing shoulders with my brothers and sisters in Christ. The other thing is, we have the opportunity in community to make others better too. Notice what Hebrews says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. I don't know how you take that word, spur one another on, that little phrase, but that's one of the things I loved about the camaraderie of Little League and, and, and later on, uh, wrestling. Sometimes people think, well, wrestling's an individual sport. Not really. You may be out on the mat by yourself, but you always have teammates that you're practicing with and that surround you. Basketball, football, all these things bring other people around you, and you have a chance in that environment to spur one another on. And we, we know this from science. We will never push ourselves as hard as our friends will push us because they can see things in us that we don't often see in ourselves, strength in us, wisdom in us, that we sometimes don't see in ourselves. And so they spur us on. Here's the first point I want us to all to understand is that God never intended for us as, as people, whether you're a believer or not, but certainly if you're a Christian, 
He never intended us for us to do life solo. He always intended for us to have people around us who can sharpen us and spur us on. And that's why he starts here in Philippians chapter 2, and he says, let's start by talking about, Philippians, your relationships with other Philippians who believe in Jesus like you do. And if he were standing here today, he would say, let's start today. If we want to talk about making a difference in our world, don't try to do it alone. Gather your brothers and sisters in Christ around you and realize that making a difference for a Christ follower is a team sport. Will you write that down? Making a difference is a team sport. That's key point number one. You know, if you want to talk about something that is absolutely crazy, talk about how Paul and the Philippians came to know each other. First of all, just personally for the Apostle Paul, he, he didn't grow up as a, a, a Christian at all. He grew up as a, a person of faith and was a Pharisee, one of the sects of the Jews, and in Phariseeism, he was taught really the exact opposite of what Christianity teaches. And the reason I'm bringing this out is to show you that it wasn't just a geographical distance from the Philippians that had to be bridged for him to come together and write a letter like this. There was a far greater, in my mind, a far greater uh, uh, idea bridge. And I think many of us have to struggle with this in today's world because our culture in America is a bit pharisaical by nature. Now, I, I know maybe that sounds a little bit surprising to you, but here's what I would say. Phariseeism at its very root is a performance-based faith, meaning your relationship with God and Phariseeism depends on how well you perform in keeping the laws. In fact, the Pharisees thought so much about how performance needed to be right and how obedience needed to be right and how following God just correctly had to be right that they added 600 additional laws to the commands that we find in the Bible just to make sure that the followers of Phariseeism whom they thought of as the followers of God, of course, were absolutely performing at the highest level. Now, as Americans, can't we relate to that? It, everywhere around us, our lives are performance-based. You probably even receive every now and then a performance review where you work. And if you're in business for yourself, you're constantly wondering, what, what are my customers and my clients thinking about my performance? In our marriages often, we act and talk as if a successful marriage is performance-based. Our friendships all around us. And in fact, many people see Christianity as performance-based. So Paul had this huge gap thought-wise, that he had to bridge to be able to tell 
the Philippians what he's saying in these words. Because do you know what he's actually saying with these words we read from Philippians 2? He, he is telling us that our relationship with God is not at all performance-based. It's gift-based. Meaning that God in his grace sent his one and only son Jesus as a gift to you and me to establish a new identity for us as dearly loved children of God, not based on how good we are or how well we perform according to the commandments, but simply by grace. God sent his son to love you, win forgiveness for you, send you his Holy Spirit to empower you to have life change and have a difference made in your own life. And, and this is a huge twist of thought, and it will be for you too, even if you're a long-term Christian, because there's just something natural in all of us that wants to base our relationships, even our relationship with God, not on a gift that God gave us, but on our performance. Paul had huge geographical distances to, to, to bridge, but nothing was as big as this distance that he had to understand. And that's why he tells the Philippians in verse five, and I want you to circle this word, have the same mindset, circle that word, as Christ Jesus in other words, Paul is saying we have to get away from the performance-based mindset and get to a grace-based, a gift-based mindset, a Christ Jesus mindset that says all that we have is not because we've earned it. Now, are any of you squirming there? All that you have is not because you've earned it, not because you're smart, not because you're capable, not because you're hardworking. All that you have comes to you as a blessing from God who has given those things to you. Man, even I squirm when I hear that because I want to shout, no, I worked for this, God. I earned this. I studied hard. I put in long hours. It's me, God. It's me, not you. But Paul's saying it's not that at all. Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus is. Be someone who is willing humbly, and he's going to talk about humility in just a moment, to receive God's gifts simply because he wants you to have them because he loves you. He's your father. You're his child. And he wants to give you good things in life. Paul says to the Corinthians, we have to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ, meaning we have to take every thought that wants to, to call attention to ourselves, to circle back and say, me, 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 I'm the one who did this. I'm the one who deserves this. I'm the one who will go out and grab this and get this. To, Father, I'm dependent on you, fully dependent on you. I depend on your son Jesus for his love, his forgiveness, his mercy, most of all his peace. Turn, uh, turn the page. So if we want to make a difference in the world, it starts with a change 
of mindset. And then once we have changed this mindset to everything we have as a gift of God through Christ, now we really have the power to go out and make a difference the way Paul made a difference once his mindset changed from a performance-based mindset to a grace-based mindset. Now, this is not going to be easy, and that's why here at Crosswalk, we've set some things up to help you and ourselves be able to constantly take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. You heard me announce a few minutes ago that we're beginning our winter and spring semester of the class system. If you haven't gotten engaged yet in 101, 201, 301, or if you're in the middle somewhere and it's been a little while since you took a class system class, and you're hearing this and thinking, I want to make a difference in my world. And in order to do that, I have to surround myself with other believers so that I'm part of a team. In order to do that, I have to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. That will set me up. That will establish the foundation, the core of being able to make a difference in my world. I couldn't suggest anything better for you than the class system. Because through those classes, I can tell you, I've watched people's minds and hearts transform. If you're a veteran believer here, if you're a veteran of crosswalk here, and it's been a while since you went to a class system class, I always, I always use this analogy. Even professional baseball players go back to spring training every year. And I want to encourage you to have that, that humility and that gift mindset that God has gifts for me in Crosswalk's class system. Another thing that will surround you with team and will help you grow up into Christ and, and deep roots into the soil of Christ and take every thought captive and make it obedient to Jesus Christ is a growth group. And, and we're starting that semester to get on the website. You, you have that in your, in your uh, program today. And, and find a growth group and, and begin to do that because that is going to help you take every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Let's read the next section from Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 to 8. And here Paul describes Jesus and I want you to notice something. I've highlighted verbs here. And I want you to ask yourself, are those verbs active or are they passive? Because often we see Jesus as a victim. Was Jesus really a victim? Let's read. Who, this is Jesus, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Even Jesus started with consider, with the thought process, with where his mind was at. His head had to be in the right place for him to do what we're going to read about next. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross." Active or passive? Was Jesus simply a victim who had these events happen to him without him realizing where all this was headed? Or did Jesus have a plan that he pursued actively 
and made the choices that would lead to these things, even his own death. And I think if you look carefully here, you can see Jesus was an active participant in winning your salvation, your forgiveness, your redemption, and mine. You know, one of the things that we have to realize if we want to make a difference is that Jesus actively pursued humility and sacrifice. And, and, and Paul is saying, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, which then means that if we want to make a difference in our world, we have to understand that's going to carry us out of our comfort zones. And sometimes it's going to carry us far outside of our comfort zones. Jesus could have stayed up there in heaven, but he got out of his comfort zone, became a human being, true God, becoming true man, so that he could rescue you and me from our sins and give us eternal life. And Jesus calls us to service and to sacrifice and to come out of our comfort zones. I don't know how much, of, how, how, how much you know about some of the great men in our world, but I still remember one of the stories I read when I was a small boy about George Washington and the biography I read about him and, and how it was the winter, dead cold winter, December, and his men, 12,000 men, were tired and hungry. And he said, we've got to find a place to shelter ourselves. And they sheltered at a little place. You probably know the name of it, if you know a little bit of history about George Washington, called Valley Wright. And George Washington had his men there without any shelters, and he got them to work on building shelters, little cabins for themselves. They've got little model cabins there to this day. But these men did this, and two-thirds of those 12,000 men did not even have shoes. They would leave footprints in the snow that were bloody. They also didn't have uh, enough food. Washington had to go to the Continental Congress and beg them to support him with money and provisions. And it took months. It wasn't until spring that, that, that food and provisions started to flow in. Meanwhile, these men, through great hardship and great sacrifice, built their shelters and, and got themselves into little warm hovels where, where they could survive, at least many of them. That winter, do you know how many of them died out of the 12,000? 2,500 of them died from the hardship. Others deserted. Washington was so afraid that he was going to lose his men that he asked his wife Martha to come and just tend to the men, nurse them, build teams of other wives and women who would, who would mend their clothing for them so that they could at least have a little bit of warm clothing. You see, George Washington understood what we have to understand. We are engaged in a great war, a great battle with Satan who wants our souls, who wants your soul. And there is no making a difference in this life without being willing to serve one another, serve our community, and to make sacrifices for one another. And that's exactly what Jesus did. He made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself He sacrificed himself 
and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Write this down. Making a difference is a reflection of my willingness to serve and make sacrifices. And if you want to write an additional thought in there, not only is it a reflection of your willingness to serve and make sacrifices, the reason why you want to serve and make sacrifices is it's also a reflection of Jesus' desire to serve and make sacrifices. That's why Paul brings this in here. The fourth and final thing, if you, like I, want to make a difference in our world is simply this, that ultimately we have to know why. We have, to, we have to have something that motivates us. For George Washington, he had a deep motivation to form this new country and be independent of the British. He knew his why, which is why he stood alongside those men as they were dying and starving in the bitter cold with no food and being stricken by disease. Why did Jesus come? You have to hear this. Jesus' big why is you. He could not stop thinking about you and your soul and his great love for you. He couldn't get it off his mind that our sins separated us from him and could separate us from him for eternity and that we would be condemned to an eternal punishment in hell. He couldn't get that off his mind because he loves us. He loves you. And he couldn't stand to see that happen. He had a big enough why. If you want to make a difference with your life, it starts with why. And that's why Paul writes this in verses 9 to 11. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You see, what this is saying, what Paul is saying here is, we have a big God who has big love for us. And the natural, the most natural response for any of us is to get down on our knees and just offer him our worship. But Paul will go on to tell the Philippians that our worship is not just a matter of coming together on Sunday, raising our hands in the air and singing praises to God. This is beautiful worship. Don't get me wrong. It's important worship. We need to be here weekly. But part of our worship is also going out of here and making a difference in our world, in our community, with our family, with our friends. As Jesus came into our world to make a difference in our lives, we want to go out into other people's world, meet people where they're at, and make a difference in their lives. And that's our worship. That's how we say to God, my knee bows to you. Now, I promised you a little surprise. Let's fill in that last fill-in. Making a difference is motivated by a worshipful heart when I magnify Jesus as my Lord and Savior. If you are listening carefully today, you heard this answer to why will I want to make a difference and how will I make a difference in, in my world? And you, you heard two, th three things. You heard, I will grow together with fellow believers and up into God. I will serve and sacrifice. And finally, 
I will make all of this an expression of my worship. I want you to look in your programs. And inside your program, I'm going to introduce you to, to just one new thing that we're excited to be starting here. And you'll see a brochure that looks like this. It says FAM on it. And I want to bring out Amy Uncafer, who is helping us get this started. Thanks, Amy. Have a seat. And I want to just have you talk for a few minutes about how people could make a difference Sometimes, maybe just in one person's life, but it could be an amazing difference. And we're talking about foster and adoption. So thanks for being here today. Thanks for having me. So I just want to ask, how did you get involved with this ministry and develop a passion for it and really have a heart for orphans and, and foster children? Well, about three years ago, uh, Andy and I got a phone call. And we were asked to go to a meeting. And we went to that meeting. And we came home with two children to take care of in an emergency placement situation. And uh, we were completely unprepared to talk about going out of your comfort zone. Our youngest was uh, 16. It's been a long time since we had small people in the house. Um, we took care of him for seven weeks. And um, we still support them and help out with uh, respite care for the family that is now fostering them. And so it's been almost three years. We've seen a lot of um, court report and review hearings. We've learned an awful lot. We've just been dumped into the system. And we've been made aware of the great need um, for people to serve in this uh, situation. We've also I've talked with people that have adopted international children and domestic um, adoptions as well. And they all experience some of the same things, the same struggles and the same joys. So I was moved to just help out. So you've got a strong personal connection because you've done this and you've, you've sort of jumped into the deep end. <laughs> And, um, and so I want to ask, so for the rest of us who maybe haven't done this yet, um, if I were to ask, you know, why should we want to get involved in something like this, what, what would your answer be? Well, I think, you know, it's amazing the blessings that we have received um, by participating in this and learning about this, something that my whole entire life I've just been like, I'm not looking at that. It's ugly. I don't want to see it. But it... You just, you don't know the blessings that are available because really when you think of adoption, that's what God did for us. Right. Um, so it's really a picture of God's plan of salvation. We were ugly, we were broken, we were unlovable. God came and gave his life for us. He doesn't call us slaves anymore like Justin saying about earlier. We're now children of God and we can act that out for a child or for a family right here on earth, and we can, we can act out the plan of salvation. How awesome is that? That's great, yeah. Our own little drama that shows people what Jesus has done. Yeah, so it, it, he almost tells us, you know, to love the least, the last, and the lost, and that's what we do at Crosswalk. So um, we love because he first loved us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He tells us, whatever you do for the least of these, you do for me. He defends the fatherless, and he accepts as true and pure religion taking care of orphans and widows as well. 
So this is biblical that we do something like this. Yes, <laughs> you talked about brokenness a moment ago. Tell us, maybe you have a story or, or something that's just really shown you God's faithfulness as you've also witnessed brokenness. Yeah, there's a lot of brokenness and frustration and tears, no doubt. But God is faithful and he sustained us through those hardest seven weeks of my life. Um, he's provided perfect people um, to step in and serve and, um, in our situation. And we've learned so much from them. His word never returns empty. So the, the biggest thing that I've seen God do is to work faith in these children. So they were um, at our house at Christmas time, and my kids were home from college, and they were asking them, do you know whose birthday's coming? And the kids are like, uh, is it this person in your family? Is it that person in your family? And no. And they finally, they finally figured out we were talking about Jesus. So then they started telling us on their own the story of Christmas, and then they went all the way to the story of Easter, and the three-and-a-half-year-old said, the gospel is important. <laughs> so he knows. That's awesome. I'm going to use that. The gospel is important. All right. Last question is, how can we come alongside of you and make a difference? That's what we're talking about. Maybe with this ministry, of course, there are others here at Crossbox, but today I, I want to talk about this ministry. We have the brochure. How can we get connected with you? Um, well, the, if you have been touched by adoption or the foster care system in any way, you're welcome to join our support group, which starts tonight um, at uh, the ALA campus with the class system, and there's child care provided there, so um, we're going to meet once a month and try to connect with each other, share experiences, and um, grow in God's word and um, connectedness with him as well. So you could pray for that group to be a blessing to those that come to it. Um, you could get to know some of these families right here in our congregation that are already doing this um, because they don't all have uh, extended family close by to help them. You know how nice it is when grandma comes over or your sister comes over to babysit your kids. They, they don't have that. Um, so it would be great if we could develop some neighborhood relationships with these families and provide be that crosswalk family for them. You know, we all promise to help when someone is adopted or um, baptized here. This is a way that you can do it. Um, you can read the things on this list. Um, I really encourage you to just learn about it because it, it's not something you're just going to tomorrow go out and volunteer for something. It took a long time for God to work this into my heart, but as I learned and explored, and I went to a conference, and I read websites and articles, you begin to see God will give you your eyes to open up to what, what your gifts and talents and passion might be in this ministry. That's fantastic. And I'm going to invite you after the service to be down front here with me so that if anybody wants to speak to you right now today, that, that they can come right up and, and get connected with you. Are you all right with that? Yeah, in addition to that, some of the moms that um, are going to be in this growth group um, are going to be out at the resource tent, and they have little name tags on, so if you're interested in talking to them and learning more, they're going to be out there. You know, we can make a difference sometimes just one life at a time. Maybe, maybe it's something as simple as listening, showing some empathy. Maybe it's something a little bit more complex like this. 
a lot more complex, but we can all make a difference. And, and here's the thought I want you to go home with today. Christ followers, disciples of Jesus are difference makers. And this is just one corner of that kingdom of making a difference in our world. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you so much that you came and made a difference in our life and continue to make a difference in our life every day. Lord, your life counted for all of us. Uh, your, your righteousness is something that we're able to wear so that when we are with God, we're no longer separated, but we are children of a heavenly father. That's amazing. We have been adopted. And Lord, now as that touches our hearts, your great love touches our hearts, make us difference makers in this world too. Help us connect with a, a ministry or a service opportunity that, that we can go out and share, maybe just with one person or maybe with a whole lot of people. But we want to make a difference in our world because you made a difference in ours. And we pray this in Jesus' name. So before we close, if you would like more information about Crosswalk or to listen to other messages, head over to CrosswalkPhoenix.com or come and see us. Services are held at Cesar Chavez High School at 41st Avenue and Baseline on Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. Visit our website for directions. And now, some closing thoughts from Pastor Jeff. I want you to go home with this thought in your mind. We all want to make a difference, and Christ has given us a great way to do that. And it starts with, first of all, the difference that he makes in your heart, your mind, and your life. And that comes as we worship, we grow, and we serve with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And then that's our springboard to get out into the world and make a difference in our community. Let me send you home with the Lord's blessing. I'll be up here after the service uh, today to pray with anyone that wants to be prayed with. Um, if you're a guest today, I'd love to meet with you. And Amy will be down here in front with me as well. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with his favor and give you his peace. Amen. Have a great week in the Lord. We'll see you back here next week.